It's good this morning to be back with you guys after a long and wonderful trip, a restful time of seeing the magnificence of God's creation. When we left, I joked that since the topic today of the New City Catechism is what else did God create, we could really just show pictures of all the things that we saw. I promise you we're not going to have just pictures today. We need more than pictures. We need the word of God. Amen? But pictures can help sometimes. So we're going to start there. I want to tell you about a place we went, one of my favorite hikes of the trip, which was in Perea Canyon. Perea Canyon is a massive, tall, long slot canyon in Utah, carved by a river, although the river was dry while we were there because there was a massive drought. So that made the hiking a little bit easier, but we had to hike in sand. We hiked into this canyon, and you can see in these pictures the size and the scale a little bit. It's hard to capture in a picture how amazing these walls were, lit up by the sun, golden brown, tall, unfathomably tall, hundreds of feet tall, and we were down in the canyon on Sunday. And I told the kids, if you listen carefully, you can hear the rocks cry out, but they didn't really believe me. It was a beautiful time, a beautiful hike, and an amazing picture of the awesomeness of God's creation. Another favorite place of ours was one that we went to at the very beginning of our trip. This is the view off of Dead Horse Point in southern Utah. This view into the Canyonlands where we backpacked the next couple days. is an amazing river going through it, roads down there, just carving away the rock, the beautiful colors, the sun shining through the clouds. We and everyone else who was standing there looking at it stood in awe. My question for us, as I thought about these things on this trip and as I came back and reflected on it, is how should we, as God's people, relate to a creation that God has made that fills us with awe and wonder? How should we relate to the creation that God has made? Should we stand in awe of the creation itself or is there something more? You see, as people stood on the edge of Dead Horse Point and looked out over Canyonlands, They were in awe, but many of them were in awe only of the material world that they saw before them. Many of them stood in awe, but missed a message that was being portrayed by what was in front of them. In Psalm 19.2, we read that day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Creation itself speaks to us. It says something about its creator, that we are meant to hear and meant to learn and meant to live by. And if we do not stand in right relationship to the creator, if we do not think about creation rightly, we're tempted to worship creation and not the creator and miss the message, miss the point. This message is described for us today in Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. Psalm 33 Verses 6 through 9 talks about creation, tells us about God as the creator. Verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded 
and it stood firm. The doctrine of creation teaches us that God created all things by his powerful word. That's our catechism question for today. What else did God create? And we see this doctrine explained for us. So would you humor me by answering in response to the catechism question with the words of the catechism? Church, what else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word. And all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Friends, this is what the Bible teaches about creation. That God has created all things by his powerful word. Everything that he created was very good and it all flourished under his loving rule. When we go through these questions in the catechism, part of what we want to do is we want to see that this is clearly what scripture teaches. This is true, not because someone thought to summarize it this way, but this is true because this is a summary of what God's word, the word of truth, teaches us. We already see that in Psalm 33, that God created all things by his word. We're going to see that more as we explore other parts of scripture this morning. In addition to that, though, one of the other goals of this walk through the catechism that we've been doing is not just to see that it's true, but to see why it matters. What this has to do with us as God's people living here and now. Why does it matter to us that God created all things by his powerful word? This morning, we're going to see that lesson. That's the lesson that all of creation is meant to teach. Look back at Psalm 33 for a minute. The message that all of creation is meant to teach is in Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Notice how that's sandwiched between descriptions of God creating all things by his powerful word. Right? God created all things by his powerful word. Therefore... Fear him. Fear him. The message this morning, the main point that I want to argue, is that since God created all things by his powerful word, we ought to live in fear of him. Now friends, I want to to explain this for a minute. Fear of him. We think of fear sometimes as a bad thing, right? Like being afraid afraid of getting hit by a car when we step out into the street and it stops us from stepping out into the street. That's that's. Good fear, but that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. Notice in Psalm 33, it says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. This is the kind of fear that has more in common with a reverence or a respect or standing in awe of something. See, when we went to the Grand Canyon and we're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and looking out, all of us stood in awe of the massiveness of this canyon. All of us stood in awe in recognition that this canyon is worthy of gazing on and looking at and thinking about, contemplating and relating rightly to. When you stand in awe of something and relate rightly to it, you don't just dance on the edge, right? You step a little far back, you hold on to the hand railing. I'm a little afraid of heights, so I was a little further back than the kids. You stand in right relationship to it. Or when we hiked through the Narrows, which is the Virgin River at Zion, standing in awe of it meant that when we looked around and saw the wood stacked up from flash floods, we knew that we had to think carefully about when we go hiking in here. We can't go hiking in here during a rainstorm because we might die. We need to relate rightly to it. Just like those things, when we stand in the fear of the Lord, when we live in the fear 
of God. We're living in right relationship to him. We're living in right thinking about him and relating to him. We're reverencing him the way we should. We're worshiping him the way we should. Because God created all things by his powerful word, all of creation is teaching us how to fear the Lord. And so the question for us this morning is, how does creation teach us to fear the Lord? What about creation teaches us to fear the Lord? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Before we dig into these different things, would you pray with me one more time? And we ask God for help. Lord, help us this morning to hear from your word the message that creation is telling us of how to fear you, how to live in right relationship with you, how to live rightly in light of your character and works. Would you help us to marvel at the creation that you have made, but more importantly, to turn our gaze up to you as creator and marvel and worship and live rightly in light of you. We pray for your help by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Friends, the first part of the catechism that I want to explore with us this morning, and we're mainly going to be in these first two parts, these first sentence or first half of a sentence, is that God created all things. The testimony of scripture is clear. God created all things. Our Bible starts there, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When the author of Genesis writes the heavens and the earth, that's meant to be all-inclusive, right? In the beginning, God was and created. Revelation, the end of our Bibles, talks about him the same way as the elders worship him. They say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. It can help us to contemplate what God has created. God created all life. We see this testimony clearly in Genesis that all life derives from the one true and living God, right? Genesis 1.11, God created plants, living plants. Genesis 1.20, God created living creatures that swim in the sea and that fly in the air. In Genesis 1.24, God created living creatures that live on the land. And we see later in Genesis that we talked about last time, we talked about the catechism, that God created man in his own image. God created all life that we see. Everything in creation comes from God. Not only did God create life, though, we tend to think when God, we think of creation, we tend to think of God creating life and maybe the world But God created all matter in the universe. Every particle was created by God. Psalm 8.3 talks about the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, all of outer space was created by God, put in place by the work of his fingers. Psalm 95, 3-5, The Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Everything we see around us, there's not one thing that has not been created by the Lord God, because the Lord God created all matter. All of this physical universe was created by God. Everything we create as human beings is made out of stuff that God has made himself. This is the testimony of scripture, and it is clear. Not only did God create living things and matter, 
But God himself created time. When we read in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning God created, that doesn't make sense for us if we think about it because the beginning seems like the start, right? But God was already. God was from everlasting to everlasting, Psalm 90 verse 2 says. This is why a thousand years in his sight are but yesterday when it is past. See, God eternally existed before time. And when creating all matter, God created the passage of time, which measures the decay of matter, right? Which measures the changes in matter, but God being unchanging and eternal existed outside of time. Sometimes we stop there when we think about the doctrine of creation and we think, okay, God created all that we see. But friends, God created all that we don't see too. God created not only matter and all living things and time, but God created the spiritual universe. Nehemiah 9, 6 says this, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. God created not just living creatures that we see, but God created angels that we do not see. God created all powers and principalities through Jesus Christ, as Colossians 1 talks about. Everything that we see and everything that we don't see, all of reality was created by the creator, God himself. I can't fathom that. I don't know about you. Sometimes, quoting numbers and statistics can be helpful in us getting a grasp on all the things that God created. Other times, a visual is helpful. I find this visual extremely helpful. Look at this short clip for a minute that gives us an idea of the scale of all that God created. All of these tiny, infinitesimal things that we can't even measure. At some point on this chart, it says... This is beyond, yeah, links further than this are not confirmed. In other words, smaller things than that are theoretical, mathematical, not confirmed, but probable. Not only did God create all of those tiny things, but he created this massive universe that we live in. God created all of that, friends. Blaise Pascal reflecting on the massiveness of the universe and the infinitesimal size of all the tiny microbes on this planet says this. He says, anyone who considers himself in this way, in light of these things, will be terrified at himself and seeing his mass as given him by nature, supporting him between these two abysses of infinity and nothingness, infinity of outer space and nothingness as in sizes that we can't even confirm because we can't see them. In between these two abysses of infinity and nothingness will tremble at these marvels. I believe that his curiosity changing into wonder, he will be more disposed to contemplate them in silence than investigate them with presumption. What else can he do then but perceive some semblance of the middle of things, eternally hopeless of knowing either their principles or their end? All things have come out of nothingness and are carried onwards toward infinity. Who can follow these astonishing processes? The author of these wonders understands them and no one else. In other words, what we see, what we learn from creation, 
from the massiveness, the infinity of creation and the nothingness of creation in our place in between those two abysses. What we learn from that is we learn to fear the Lord because we learn that we're not God. Creation teaches us to fear the Lord because creation teaches us that we are not God. When we look at the infinity of the universe and we see ourselves as a tiny little speck, we realize that we are not God. There's so much outside of our control. And when we look at the tininess of the created universe, we realize that there's so much yet we don't understand. We are not God. This is God's argument to Job from creation. In Job 38 verses 1 to 4, as Job is arguing that he is indeed righteous and that God is being unfair to him, the Lord answers back, and here's what he says. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. In other words, you are not the creator. I am the creator, is what the Lord God says to his people. We learn to fear the Lord and relate to him rightly when we learn the humble lesson that we are not God, that we are subject to God. We're subject even to nature. There's so much in nature that we cannot control that is outside of our ability to make any dent on. It was really apparent to me when we were hiking, backpacking actually, in the middle of Canyonlands. And the terrain is unbelievably difficult. It was a backpacking trip that had I known how difficult it would be, I would probably not have taken our kids on it because it was too hard for them. But when we're out in the middle of the wilderness, several miles out into this difficult terrain and have no choice but to continue, there was nothing we could do to make the ground more level. There was nothing we could do to bring the gaps closer together. There was nothing we could do. We were subject to the nature around us that God had created. We had no control over it. How different is our God who commands the seas, who brings forth rain, who brings out lightning and snow from the storehouses. We are not God. God is God. And we learn to fear him when we learn that lesson. Friends, we miss this message if we treat creation as something we can comprehend and conquer. Our modern age thinks about creation this way. Thinks about the world around us as something to be molded to our will. And we get impressed when we mold it to our will. We were in Las Vegas and saw massive steel canyons created by man. Incredible architecture. Beautiful. But infinitesimal on this tiny rock in this massive universe insignificant compared to this hanging the stars by the work of his fingers, right? We think by our achievements that we have mastered creation and yet a tiny little virus that we can't see brings everything to a halt. We are not God. God is God and he alone is the one we should fear. Why should we not worship creation itself though if we stand subject to creation why should we not worship creation creation itself corrects that thought and god's word teaches us creation teaches us to fear the lord by showing us that god alone is worthy of worship god alone is worthy of worship 
Because God alone created all things. We, as Christians, believers in God's word, agree with secularists who reject God's word in this. Everything has to come from something. There is no nothing and then there's something. There has to be some kind of transcendent, eternally existing something given to bring everything else forth. Those who reject God's word and think of this universe as only material, think of that eternally existing thing as matter and energy exploding into a massive bang. And then from that generating all things. We, however, know the truth because of what God's word teaches us, that God himself created all things from nothing. That's what ex nihilo means. Ex nihilo means from nothing. God created all things from nothing by the power of his word. He didn't start with something and then make it into something else. The only eternally existing thing was not all matter, but was God. And God created matter and time and the spiritual universe from nothing. Hebrews 11.3 says this very clearly. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is seen, what we see all around us was created from nothing. What this means for us then is that God himself is the only uncreated thing. God himself is the only one that was not created. Revelation 1.8, God speaks about himself this way. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. We can say about ourselves that we are and we are continuing because God has created us eternal people. But we can't say about ourselves that we were, that we always were. When God describes himself as I am, he is the eternally one who is and causes to be. God himself is uncreated. What this means is that God himself is the only one who stands outside of creation. Therefore, he is the only right object of our worship. Everything created has the potential to be worshipped by us. We can look to it for our significance. To say this thing that I have made means I am important. We can look to it for our security to say that this thing that I have made or this thing that is in creation, is what keeps me safe and keeps me secure. The war horse is my hope for salvation. We can look to it to satisfy our souls, but it will leave us empty. God alone stands outside of creation, and God alone, therefore, is the proper object of worship. Creation itself teaches us to worship by declaring the glory of God. By making the glory of God visible and evident. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. When we see and stand in awe of creation, we are meant to say, wow, isn't God incredible? Wow, isn't God glorious? When we see a sunset, we are meant to reflect on the works of God, even as we enjoy the beauty that he has made. This is why Jesus says when the Pharisees rebuke his disciples for singing his praises as he enters into Jerusalem on the donkey. He says that if these were silent, the very stones would cry out because all of creation is meant, is groaning to worship the Lord God. So creation teaches us to worship 
and to worship rightly. When we see the distinction between creation and creator, we learn to worship God rightly. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your due for among all the wise ones of the nations, and in their kingdoms there is none like you. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. In other words, idols are all made by men. Whether that be an actual statue of some god, or whether that be some thing that we have made, like our phones or our TVs or the internet, etc. All these are made by God, but the Lord is the true God, verse 10. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure His indignation. Thus shall you say to them, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Every would-be God, every pretender to the throne is going to perish. God Himself is separate from creation. God Himself is transcendent and worthy of worship. Many cultures have myths about creation where some kind of divine force or being created everything that we see. They're mockeries, imitations of the one true and living God. But what makes The Bible's account of creation, what makes our understanding of God as creator of all things different from all other creation myths? What makes this story unique and true? It's how God created. God created all things by his powerful word. This is what creation shows us and demonstrates for us. Because God created all things by his powerful word, creation teaches us to fear the Lord by showing us that reality proceeds from the word of God. All of reality proceeds from the word of God. Friends, this is so important. See, God creates reality by speaking it forth. When he When we read the creation account of Genesis 1, we see over and over, God said, and it was. Right? God speaks forth, and it is. It comes to be. By faith, in Hebrews 11, 3, we read, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God created all of reality by speaking it forth. This means that all of reality comes from God's word. But we read in the New Testament even more clearly what the implications of that are. See, God created reality by speaking forth his eternal word, capitalized. It's capitalized in the catechism too, intentionally, right? Because this is a name. John 1, we read about this name. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
Everything was made through this eternal word of God. And in the New Testament, we learn that this eternal word of God, by whom and through whom all things were created, is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Friends, this has massive implications for the reality of our redemption. See, if God speaks... As creation teaches us, God speaks and reality follows. Then everything God says is made real by the power of his word. Which means that when God says, let there be light and there is light, it happens because God spoke. When God says, let these people be my people, it happens because God spoke. When God says, you are declared righteous because of your faith in Jesus Christ, it happens because God speaks. God speaks and reality issues forth. That means that everything we see in the word of God is true. Because God, by his words, created everything we see around us. That means everything we see and hear about Christ Jesus, God's eternal word is true because God's word brings reality. It brings what is real and true. Most significantly, God's word that he created, this transcendent, powerful creator, entered into creation to redeem and to renew. This is the message of the New Testament. This is the hope of the gospel that that same creative word that issues forth reality that says, let there be light and there is light came into the creation that he had made to redeem his people and renew creation. John 1 continues in verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. How do we know that's true? How do we know that Jesus had the authority To take all who believe in him and make them the children of God? Because Jesus himself, by his creative word, spoke reality into existence. Everything that we can see and everything that we can't see came about by this same word that declares you and I children of God when we have faith and trust in him. That's how we know. That's how we're sure. That's what creation does. It teaches us that truth. Not only did he come to redeem and renew us as children of God, but he came to redeem and renew all of creation. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created 
in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, Jesus, God's eternal word that he created by, entered into creation to make peace by the blood of his cross. Peace between you and I and God. And peace between all of creation which has fallen under the curse. Jesus came to redeem and renew all of creation. And to bring about this new creation. This new creation that we hope for and long for. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Why are these words trustworthy and true? Because God created all things visible and invisible by his powerful word, his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, these promises that God is redeeming and renewing all of creation and that one day we will be with him are trustworthy and true. This is the function of creation. This is the speech that is poured forth from everything we see in the created world and everything we don't see. This is the speech that is poured forth. All of creation is meant to help us learn to fear the Lord. When in our hearts we rise up in rebellion against God. Or when our faith falters. We are meant to look around at everything God has created. And say all of that came from his word. And therefore his word is trustworthy and true. And worth staking our lives on. Friends that's what the doctrine of creation is meant to. To secure for us. That's the security that we have in the eternal word of God, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for creating all that we see and don't see. Thank you for displaying your power and magnificence. For teaching us that you alone are worthy of worship. And that you keep your word. Help us learn these truths from creation. Help us see the world around us in light of you. Help us as we behold magnificent things in this world that you have created. And as we contemplate those things beyond that we can't see but know are there. Would you strengthen our faith? Would you help us fight unbelief in our heart? 
And would you help us trust in your promises? I pray that you do that even now as we move into enjoying the gift of your table. Amen.